I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 222nd episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk the Dow, the S&P. We're going to talk gold, lithium, fires in Quebec. And we're going to talk about some of the crazy stuff that's going on around us. Always plenty of crazy to get into. Uh, we're going to keep this one market focused for the most part. Mr. Hodge, how are you today, sir? I'm liking the stash. Appreciate that. I trimmed off the, the handlebars, got the uh, quintessential 70s or, or 80s stash now. Things are going well. Um, summer's already heating up. You mentioned the fires, the um, and markets uh, continue to think they're in a, a bull market. But as I wrote this week, like the uh, newfound intelligence that the market has or, or is liking, it's uh, this bull market is artificial. So um, I'm doing good. How are you? I am well. I'm well. I'm fresh off a couple of day trip at Yosemite with the wife and the kids. That was phenomenal. It was uh, beautiful. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of leaves you in awe, the, the, the scale and enormity of that place, right? Everything from the waterfalls to, to just the rock formations, the mountains. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty nice trip. But no, look, healthy, happy, excited for the summer. I see some contrarian opportunities setting up that I think are going to pay off really well in the second half of the year. As you know, you and I have both been writing checks the last couple of months in anticipation of the second half of this year. So, you know, we'll get into the resource space a little bit later on. We'll get into some of the plays and, and, and spaces that you're dabbling in. But let's let's start with the overall market. It's a... Uh, Thursday, June the 8th. I can't believe it's June the 8th. And the S&P 500, yeah, it just hit a new closing high for 2023. We had an unemployment uh, report that, you know, bad is good again, right? It was more unemployment than expected. And the market took that as a signal that maybe, maybe, you know, Powell will, will pivot, blink, whatever you want to call it, but maybe slow down the pace of the rate hikes. Um, as a result, have some cover to be able to do that. Bottom line is the market really liked it. The Nasdaq was up another percent. The S&P 500, as I mentioned, closing high for 2023. And look, the Dow sitting just below the 34,000 level. Thoughts on the overall markets? You already teased what you thought in the intro, but a little bit deeper dive into it. What are you thinking? Yeah, um, the bear market rally continues. Um, the the S&P is getting close to 4,300. It's bounced away from that the past couple of days as it got up there um you had a really strong jobs number uh, a week or two ago like three hundred and thirty nine thousand jobs were created uh, but let's face it this market is being driven by uh, a couple of names i mean apple's at a three trillion dollar market cap the nvidia hit a trillion dollar market cap um if you look at those uh names that are attaching themselves to ai you know the, the sort of former <laughs> fang names they're responsible for, I have it here because I was writing about it yesterday. Those seven names are responsible for 27% of the S&P, seven companies responsible for more than a quarter. Um, and if you look at the sectors they're in, which are technology, consumer discretionary, and, and consumer services, uh, they make up an even larger portion. Like those three sectors right now are being weighted at almost 47%, half the S&P, just those three sectors. Yeah. There's 11 sectors in the S&P. So... Um, a lot of money has flown into them, right? I mean, AI has been a really huge thing. We mentioned it a couple of times on, on this podcast. Um, and they've almost become sort of liquidity centers of their own. And it's liquidity that I'm going to talk about in this answer. 
Um, but when you when you sort of step back from those seven names and, and look at the other sectors of the S and P, um, you know, uh, over half the sectors are, are down over the past year. The the earnings growth is still negative, yeah. um, worse for the Nasdaq than it is for the S and P. But both had negative earnings growth in in Q one. If you look at the economy, uh, it's still slowing. Uh, the GDP, after printing two negative quarters last year, has been sequentially stair-stepping down. Um, and you'll get close to flat growth again here in Q2. That number will come out in the end of July, July 27th, I believe it is. Um, and if you look at like the ISM numbers, both for services and for manufacturing, they're printing um, you know, contractionary prints. And so there's not a lot to be bullish uh, about out there. Um, you had a... a a little run on the back of the debt ceiling getting um, resolved, which, uh, you know, it always does get resolved. But now you're into the liquidity part of the of the debt ceiling drama, which not a lot of folks are talking about. And I mentioned mm. it, I think, on this podcast last week and have written about it a little bit. Um, look, uh, money supply is is already like the, the, the lowest <laughs> it's been since 1959. Right. The Fed yep. continues to tighten. Um, I'm not talking about the interest rates. I'm talking about quantitative tightening, you know, 95 billion uh, a month coming off the balance sheet. And now the market needs to come up with another 500 billion to trillion dollars in the next few weeks to 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 <laughs> refund the, the Treasury general account. Um, and you start to wonder, you know, where is this liquidity going to, to come from, if not from, you know, uh, potentially out of some of these stocks? And, you know, you look at and then you look back at those seven stocks that I was just talking about, and they become sort of liquidity islands unto themselves. So it's yeah. not too far out of the realm of possibility or, or not a huge logic gap to think, you know, these companies could quickly be drained of the liquidity that they had um, as this liquidity crunch continues. And it's not just um the fed tightening and it's not just the uh the the treasury needing to to refill itself now you've got these um student loan uh, payments that are going to start back up here in august and september because remember that was part of the um the debt ceiling deal and now we're getting some numbers tied to that so that's like 40 million americans paying an average of um uh, $400 payments right so 16 billion dollars a month um, $192 billion a year, I think the math works out too. So um, the market needs to come up with some liquidity. And and that $400 a month, by the way, has gone a long way, I think, um, into these you know personal expenditures that, that have been able to maintain over the past year. And right? if you don't got to make your student loan payments for, since 2020, you can spend that on, on other goods and, and services, right? Well, that's going to go away. And so um, I think uh, the can has been kicked a little bit. Like, I was looking for a recession this year, headed into Q3, you know, that might get pushed out. You might bump along um, flat and, and have a really nasty start to 2024. So I still think you have a lot of time. Uh, I'm giving you a long answer. Sorry, but I want no, to make sure. No, this is a great I answer. I, I said in depth. <laughs> this is in I depth. I wanted to make sure I hit all the points. Copper remains, you know, relatively weak. Oil remains uh, well, relatively weak. And um, I've talked at length and certainly written at length about the sort of the cascade uh, of the of the business cycle, right? Where you have um, housings and then orders and then profits and then employment being affected. And I know you put employment on the thing because you're finally starting to see a rise in the in the unemployment claims, right? And that's sort of the last shoe to drop in the in the business cycle. I think it's going to ultimately what be what gives the the Fed cover to um, pivot, uh, not pause, because I think you get a pause here next week. 
Yeah. Uh, I think you, they don't raise and then potentially they raise again um, in July, which, um, you know, the uh, Bank of Canada and then the Royal Bank of Australia just did. You know, they were relatively, you know, surprising rate hikes when people thought they were going to pause. And so I don't think we're out of the rate hiking cycle yet. And I think that ultimately it will be uh, unemployment that, that, you know, gives the Fed cover to say, you know what, we're not going to get to 2% inflation, but we got to stop hiking because the unemployment is uh, getting out of control. That might not come until um, Q1 2024 or, um, you know, uh, Q2. And so um, that's the that's the macro update, I guess. You, you mentioned uh, seven companies making up a large percentage of, you know, the overall indices. We have to talk Apple. They had their, you know, product rollout this week. How good do you think the porn is going to be on that $3,500 uh, virtual reality AI headset? Uh, I imagine um, pretty good. And, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I was watching the, <laughs> the NBA finals with a couple of guys last night and they were they were talking about uh, the headset. And, you know, then, then I started talking about port too. It's, a, it's a, amazing that uh, you don't see... Um, I guess just the port industry in general making inroads into this because that's like the would seemingly be the first application, right? Just like they determined, wasn't it? They they determined like the VHS Betamax wars. <laughs> yeah, um, the porn went with VHS, and and that's why it decided to go that way. So I don't know. I don't know how many people are going to pony up thirty five hundred bucks just to watch some porn. That's a pretty uh, <laughs> a steep price tag. But but what what do I know? I don't know why people pay for pictures of feet either when you could Google them for free if you wanted them. <laughs> Everyone has feet. That's the weird part to me. Feet, not my thing, but no judgments, no kink shaming here to anybody out there. Um, look, jokes aside, I, Apple has been brilliant throughout the years at taking a product that already exists, waiting for everybody to mess it up, and then making it their own, right? By launching a better version at just the right time. They've done it with MP3s. They've done it with the iPhone. They've done it with you know, they, the cameras in their iPhones, they've done it with their chips and their processors. And the I, AirPods is a, is a leading category too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I say that to say, you mentioned the playoffs. There's, you know, two thing, two, two, two people and companies I don't bet against. Jimmy Butler from Miami. He's an absolute killer and an absolute dog in the fourth quarter when it counts. Though I think Denver has a better team. Um, and I don't bet against Apple's products in the mid to long term. I don't think in the near term, you know, even if you have it, right? I'm not ponying up 3,500 bucks right now. Um, no matter how good the porn is, no matter how many other applications it has. You know, if if you told me that I could get on this headset, sit down and watch a game at Wrigley Field from right behind home plate, or I could watch an NBA Finals game um, from, you know, courtside. Now we're talking, and that's where I'm really curious to see if they're able to strike partnerships with, leagues and associations be it sports teams be it movie sets be it whatever it is to really make that a completely different unique experience than what you would otherwise be able to experience if if you don't have the money you know we talked off air a bit about a big boxing match spence and crawford that's happening on july 29th and i can't wait for it. i've been waiting years for this fight but if you don't have the money to pony up for those tickets and having an apple Virtual reality headset allows you to pay $100 pay-per-view and experience it that way. Well, you might pay $3,500 up front to be able to have a ringside experience, a courtside experience, a number of these experiences that otherwise would cost you thousands of dollars a piece to have, right? So I'm curious to see what they do with it. I believe they actually will 
launch it in 2024 because that had some production issues. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with it. I, I, I don't bet against Apple product rollouts because they, they seem to do those really, really well. And they are clearly, clearly betting uh, big on this on this $3,500 headset. That's not a that's not a price point that you uh you just throw out there casually. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be all for it is for, for the same reasons you mentioned, right? Um, especially um, at a time when people are paying $3,500 for not that good Taylor Swift seats, right? And uh, you wonder, you know, where all that money is coming from. I saw some going for over 30 grand Taylor yeah. Swift tickets. And um, obviously people are paying it. So uh, that begs the question, you know, where are they coming up with that money? And it's likely going on the credit card, but uh, getting away from the Apple discussion there. It's actually cheaper. You know, she's going to have some dates in Argentina. I was reading this week. Uh, and because of the, the deck. Because of the, yeah, yeah. You can fly to Argentina and buy tickets for cheaper than, you know, it's still cheaper than going here. And the wine is amazing. The women are beautiful. And, you know, the weather, the people, awesome. Little Steak is excellent. Yeah. I was going to say, little Malbec and steak, yeah. Yeah, there's worse places to be, worse places to be. Um, let's talk commodities. Gold, in, in, in you know, reaction to that uh, unemployment number, reacted really, really well, right? 1965, 1970 level, still hanging out right around that 2000 level. The dollar index took a good hit, went from firmly above 104 to flirting with breaking 103. The last that I saw is 103.20, the last that I saw. Um, any thoughts on the gold space? Still liking the precious metal? Silver had itself a good 3 4% run. I think I wrote over, I don't know, 1,500 words about gold in the in the foundational profits mm -hmm. issue that's going to come out here on well, tomorrow, Friday, June 9th. Um, getting real bullish on gold. And uh, you're going to have time to pick your spots. I mentioned a couple of minutes ago the su surprise rate hikes from um, you know, uh, Canada and uh, Australia. It's the it's the interest rates that are controlling gold now more than the dollar. If you look at a chart of gold against the dollar, and you look at a chart of gold against the ten year yield, um, it's the it's the the bond yields that are that are yep. correlating more than the the dollar. There's been periods in the past couple of months where gold has risen alongside this dollar regaining strength, and so yep. um, it's it's that interest rate question. And if uh, you're of the the belief like I am that there's still going to be at least another rate hike, even if it doesn't come in June, you know, if it's July, that means you're going to have um, more room to buy the dip in gold, which is what I've been saying is, is buy those dips. And there's room for it to dip. Um, you know, short term support for gold is down around the 1935 level. So um, anything down there is is really worth buying. And then um, it's bullish. Look, uh, I could just rattle off a couple of things I was, I was writing about the, the gold, the gold supply since 2017, 18 has been going down. It reached like a hundred and uh, just over a hundred million ounces a year and has fallen off every, every year since 2018. Um, demand is up. Central bank gold buying was, was at a record last year, something like 38 million ounces. Uh, the ETF inflows have been up for the past three months um, after going after being um, negative for the for the for the ten months preceding those. So um, people are getting more interested in buying gold. And then uh, moving to the equities, there's a, there continues to be a disconnect. The the, yeah. the gold equities are undervalued both on the um, the larger side, the GDX and the the GDXJ. Um, yeah, what's the chart say? Um, you know, uh, after the Fed paused the last time in, in 2015 and, and gold went up 300 bucks, um, to get back to the ratio the GDXJ was then relative to gold, uh, it would have to go up some 80 to 90% the GDXJ would. So uh, 
the small end of the spectrum of the gold uh, stock spectrum is 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 poignantly um, undervalued. And so, you know, pick your spots, do your due diligence, subscribe to your five newsletter writers, and 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 pick their best gold names because it's the it's the time to get positioned. I'm going to give y'all a freebie. It's a company that both you and I, Nick, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we both wrote a check for. That company is Kingsman Resources, K-N-G, on the Venture Exchange. Market cap, $7.35 million. It has consolidated a past-producing district-scale land package in northern Mexico. It is in a neighborhood that has multiple producing mines, um, the metallurgy historically has been great. It's more of a pure play on silver than it is gold, but it does have gold exposure to it. Really like the CEO, Scott Emerson. I think he's got a clear vision and plan for unlocking a lot of value in this district. It's the first time that this land package has been consolidated and the first time by default that it's going to be explored as one whole package as opposed to just parcels of land, right? Parcels of land that have done very well historically, but I think that is one to watch. I'm a biased shareholder. That's a long-term position for me. But Kingsman Resources, that's your freebie of the week if you'd like to increase your precious metals exposure at a really, really attractive entry point, 7.35 million market cap Canadian. To set up a Patreon so people can start tipping us for these freebies of the week. <laughs> Click here for the picks of the week. I've talked about <laughs> it in the past. You're in charge, Nick. You're in charge. Set it up. Um, we have to talk. Look, we have to talk lithium a bit. The lithium spot price continues to trickle higher. It's been about a week and a half, two weeks now of, of, of sustained higher prices, much like the uranium space, which we'll get into here in a minute. But, you know, we got to talk about the fires in Quebec, right? We've had... I've had several paying subscribers write in and I'll give you my thoughts because I've already issued an alert to them, but, you know, write in asking about the fires in Quebec, how it affects Patriot, how it affects, you know, other companies in the area. And look, in the case of Patriot, it's, it's, they're, 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 they're actually very fortunate that despite having to halt all drilling activities, they have 27 cores at the very least to report on. So you're going to have, I think, multiple releases here over the next 30 days next 15 to 30 days with assays that I expect to be, again, just absolutely spectacular, what we've gotten accustomed to with Corvette. You also have a maiden resource estimate. Blair was on BNN here this past week, and I've spoken with him, and you know he's hell-bent on making sure that that, that resource estimate, which will include 60,000 meters of drilling, is published mid-July. That's a month away, folks. A month goes quickly. So if you give me a news release next week with assays, if you give me another one two weeks after that, then you set the table up real well for that maiden resource estimate. And at that point, it's going to become a lot easier for some of these institutional funds that maybe, you know, are getting pushback from, you know, their holders or, or, or these other companies that maybe want to take a position but are getting pushback from the board that are saying, look, Patriot doesn't have a maiden resource estimate yet. We don't even know really what's there. We can't really break the data down um, in, in a cohesive way. Let's let's wait and see what that is before we make a move forward. And so I think I think that's going to come in. You know, I, I'd be surprised if it didn't come in close to the 150 million ton uh, mark, which puts it as, you know, top tier hard rock lithium deposit in the world, you know, puts it up there in, in, in that class of deposits. And obviously that's just going to be a snapshot because drilling, which will recommence, you know, obviously the fires are an unfortunate, unfortunate um, scenario 
forget the markets, forget the patriots of the world, just in general, right? And hopefully that gets under control and Mother Nature cooperates with us here in the next few days. But the bottom line is, if we get an announcement in the next week or so that, you know, the rain is helping out and the, the, the fire threat is, is, is less and these companies are able to start drilling again on a case-by-case -case basis, you have a catalyst-rich couple of months coming up with or without drilling. Obviously, we want drilling. Obviously, I want to see you know, the blob, as I've been calling it, all connect. Obviously, I want to see some exploration drilling in areas that have yet to be drilled in the past. But if none of that happens, Patriot's sitting pretty with tons of cash, tons of catalysts. Um, and, you know, as for the other exploration plays in the region, I'll be real honest with you, Nick. I fall another 20%, fall another 30%. I'll be adding to my positions. Uh, everybody knows, you know, I, I have a pretty robust position in Q2. I'd be adding to that if that pulls back anymore. I have my eye on another company that got away from me and I'll be adding to that position if that pulls back a little bit more. Um, and, you know, for those exploration companies, a little bit tougher on the go. Q2 raised $10 million, good on them. They're sitting pretty, but yeah, we definitely want some catalysts and we want to be able to take advantage of the season with some drilling to start defining what could potentially be, you know, another significant discovery and player in the James Bay region. Any thoughts on lithium or James Bay in general or the fires, Nick? Um, I have a reader question about Patriot. If, if you want to, if you want to take it. Fire. <laughs> um, with PMET's upcoming uh, MRE, the mineral resource estimate, what odds would you give it for 150 million, 170 million or 200 million plus um, tons? I believe he's talking about. I believe the updated resource in six months will surpass 200 million with 30,000 plus meters uh, or more drilled by then. Could it, could it even be 230 million tons? To answer the first question, I think we're right around 150 with the 60,000 meters that are going to be included in that maiden resource estimate. And, and now listen, when we get that estimate, you're going to have different numbers based on the cutoff grade, much like in the gold space, right? You could have a 5 million ounce gold deposit with a cutoff of 1,500. You can have you know, a 4 million ounce deposit with a cutoff at 1600. So depending on what they use for a cutoff point on the, on, on the grade, right? On the percentage of the lithium side of it, that's going to dictate to an extent um, what that estimate is. So what do I think the highlight number is going to be at whatever cutoff they decide to use? Um, I think it'll be right around the 150 million ton mark. At the end of the day, it's just but a snapshot, right? I completely agree that in six months' time, we're at least at 200 million tons. I'd be surprised if if we weren't close now, right? Um, with with some of the drilling that 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 that's gone on, but 150, I think, is a, a a reasonable scenario, and I think again, it positions Patriot really, really well for for the average person to just use some common sense and say, okay, well, if there's 150 here. And that only includes 60,000 meters. And we're about to embark on the most aggressive drilling campaign, Mother Nature permitting, that we've ever embarked on. And we're fully funded. And we could raise another 50 to 100 million if we wanted to with minimal dilution um, to keep the rigs turning. You can't help but get excited and start imagining a scenario where 250, 300 million tons is easily achievable in the next 12 months. And again, it's going to be really hard um, for majors, you know, whether it's chemical companies or, you know, Irving Oil just decided it's getting out of the oil business, right? It sees the writing on the wall. It's going to be really hard to, to not get in there and, and make a serious run at this thing. And if they don't, great. I'll sit on my shares. I don't care when it hits 50. Um, 50 may prove conservative if we get to 250 million tons in the next 12 months. 
Well, let's hope the rain in St. James falls gently or not gently on the Spa Germain. I hope it goes um, like it was going at Yosemite. I tell you what, was, that, that'd be a welcome sight because I think all these James Bay plays are going to rip higher, much higher. Um, the minute, you know, the, the, the order is given that they can go ahead and go back to drilling. I mean, look, you know, I've talked Q2. I mentioned Ophir last week. I've talked Patriot. Those, those, those rigs are ready and the cash is there. The treasury is, is, is full. They're ready to go. They're just waiting on the green light. And then I think it's off to the races for the rest of the year. And I think it's going to be a fun and profitable second half of the year. And look, you and I just did a private placement on a, on a private play that, that, that has some Australian assets and has some Canadian assets that I think, you know, are going to do, is going to do really, really well um, with, with, with some things in common with, with the people at Patriot and some other groups in the James Bay region. So when that goes public, we'll bring that to you after we bring it to subscribers. But I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I'm overweight lithium. I have a ton of exposure. It's a large part of my portfolio. Patriots, you know, a large part of that. But there's other positions that are pretty robust as well. Yeah, and uh, I don't have any thoughts on the individual companies. Um, but I did want to give a quick update on lithium because there was a, a new report out. Um, and maybe we can put a link up to it in the description. But um, it's from Bloomberg New Energy Finance, and it just came out this week. Um, it's an, an update to their uh, long-term electric vehicle outlook. And I'm just going to read you some of the highlights real quick. So they're saying that sales of EVs across all segments are going to hit $8.8 trillion by 2030. And then 20 years later, in 2050, they're going to ramp to $57 trillion. Um, and then they're talking about um, having 100 million passenger EVs on the road by 2026. Um, and then 14 years later, by 2040, um, that ramps to 700 million electric passenger vehicles on the road. And that's up from uh, 27 million here at the start of this year. So even just looking at their 2026 20, number, uh, 100 million passenger vehicles, I mean, that's four times more vehicles than are that are on the road right now. And then if you scroll, scroll, scroll down to, to the resource part of it, um, it says lithium supply is the most concerning of the battery metals in terms of supply sufficiency with demand increasing by a factor of 22 times by 2050 uh, in their net zero scenario. So, um, you know, the shortage uh, isn't going away. The market is moving increasingly toward uh, hard rock, toward spodumene. Um, because uh, it's easier to create the the hydroxide. And so uh, I think those prices are going to remain robust. And so um, lithium remains fertile ground for, for resource speculation hunting, for sure. Absolutely. There's a ton of money to be made in the space, folks. I mean, I, I, I know you hear it every week and I keep telling everybody, <laughs> look, I, I had a friend that just took a, a, a huge position in Patriot this, this past week and a half, right? Um, I have another one that wants to take a bigger position and they, they're they already pretty overweight on the stock. So a lot of runway, a lot of these James Bay plays, I think, you know, that, that soil is fertile for some big major discoveries. I think, I think you know, the real legit players are going to surprise to the upside. And, and look, there's going to come a point where we talked about this about a month ago, where all of the capital that's spread out over the speculative plays, some of those aren't going to work. A lot of those, most of those aren't going to work. All of that capital is going to leave and it's going to go into the creme de la creme like it always does. And I, I, I think a couple of our horses are going to are, are going to continue to do well. And I think we're going to be all right. You know, I was reading Howard Klein's newsletter. He puts out a, a, a like newsletter. I don't know if you get it. If you didn't, do. if you don't, I need to share that with you, I the do. most recent one. And he was saying there's an undersupply of lithium, but an oversupply of lithium investment opportunities. 
Isn't that always the case anytime something's hot, right? I, I look, and, and no, no names and no shade, right? I, I, they're, they're, the pie is big enough for everyone. But I remember when, when prices were, you know, coming down and the pullback and the consolidation in the lithium space for a little bit. There were a lot of newsletter writers and, and, and people on Twitter, which isn't the real world, but some of you are real people um, that were really happy about that because they had, yeah, that, that, that had missed the, the run up, right? And we're starting to make comments, you know, the bubble is popping and right, now all that money is going to disappear and it's, it's going to be a round trip, which was never the case, right? I know our paying subscribers were told in very clear terms, this is temporary, it's healthy, it's a good consolidation, you know, add on this pullback and, and a lot of you, and y'all know who you are. I've gotten really quiet about that lithium bust. Um, a trend is a trend is a trend, y'all. Make it your friend. It's 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 not about being right sometimes. It's just about making money for yourself and subscribers. And that's kind of you know where I try try to go. Go where the puck is, like like the great Wayne Gretzky used to say, right? What else did he say? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, all, all the good things, right? Shooter's going to shoot. <laughs> that was Michael Jordan. Everybody's got a plan, so you get punched in the mouth. Mike Tyson, I could do this forever with y'all. Anyhow, you know, speaking of where the puck's going to go, uranium. We've been telling you to get those uranium positions dusted off, and we told you the consolidation, much like the lithium sector, was was close to a bottom, and sector sentiment was close to a bottom. And for, for the last month, we've been banging the table saying that the disconnect between an increasing spot price and the the explorers and then frankly some of the producers was widening too wide and and there was going to have to be a reversion to the mean i think that started about a week week and a half ago spot price closer to 57 now closer to 60 than it is to 50. um i really like the setup in uranium i noticed the utility uh you know came came out wrote a contract at higher prices i think that's going to be the first of many I see a coiled spring in the uranium space. I think, again, much like lithium in the second half, much like gold in the second half and copper next year, I think we're in for a historic run in the uranium space. And again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm acting accordingly and positioning in that sector as well. Any thoughts on the uranium side of things? I've given you a lot of uranium thoughts over the past couple of weeks, so I don't have a lot new there. Um, I mentioned the funding for small modular reactors. I mentioned um the the bill working its way through which has now been approved by the way for a, a vote on the on the floor we'll see if it gets there to ban russian uranium imports uh, there's even talk about potentially attaching it to some other must pass uh legislation so those are all known things um first on the commodity i guess is you know it's it's uh decoupled from the crb commodity index yep. the, the crb commodity index has um, retraced its gains by 20% from the uh, its highs last June. And so um, that's a textbook uh, correction, and it continues to bounce around there. You know, some days it's down 22 or 23% from its highs, but it, it's trying to hold on. We'll see um, if it breaks into true, you know, bear market territory, uh, but still in the context of an overall super cycle that could last 10 to 14 years. Um, uh, but nonetheless, with those, with that commodity pullback that we've seen, you know, uranium is hitting 52 week highs, which you mentioned, um, it was $56, I think last week, um, it was closer to, uh, 57, $57, um, this week. And so I've seen some other newsletter writers mention that disconnect in the, in between the price of uranium and the, and the price of the, um, uranium equities. Um, and then I guess the, the only other thing, and it's not too, too enlightening, but, um, it's, is 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 jurisdiction and, and why it matters 
Um, and I've said over the years that that I don't really dabble in uranium mm. companies in Africa, whether that's GoVX or, or, or Global Atomic. Um, and somebody asked me to rattle off some uranium names. I wonder if I just keep going and talk about some of them. But do it. Um, I'll get your um, money's worth this week, everybody. You you saw the, or maybe you didn't see in Namibia. There's uh their their minister of of mines and energy has been basically talking shit about nationalization. So this started back in <laughs> March where where he where he said, um you know basically the situation where all these foreign companies own all our mineral and, and energy assets is untenable. He called the situation untenable. And then, um in the last week of May he said, um we're going to be looking to to nationalize these. Basically we're going to be looking to get our peace. He said I'm, I'm paraphrasing. We're going to yeah. be looking to get our peace without paying for it. Um, and then I figured the you were day, paraphrasing when you said you were talking yeah. shit <laughs> or they were talking shit. <laughs> I didn't take that as a technical term, but as you were. Uh, but then the next day, he, he his his ministry walked it back. Right. You know, no, no, no. We're not we're not thinking about nationalizing um, any of these <laughs> these assets that are existing. But they left the door open to, you know, taking their pound of flesh from new contracts or new permits that were issued. And it matters because, you know, it's one of the largest uranium producing countries in Africa. It's one of the largest diamond producing countries in Africa. And there have been some significant offshore um, oil and natural gas discoveries um, in recent year by Shell and others. And so um, jurisdiction is important. And it's one of the reasons. Uh, well, first of all, the stocks gap down like yeah. um, Langer Heinrich is in Namibia, for example, that's owned by Paladin Energy. And, and the day that those comments came out, the Paladin gap down in Australia, tripped the circuit breaker and the, the stock was halted. It was down 25 percent. Um, and then there were some others that were down as well. Um, and so, you know, jurisdiction <clears throat> matters. I don't believe that's going to happen in, in the U.S. Southwest. I don't believe that's going to happen in the, the Athabasca Basin, for example. And so. Um, just something to be conscious of when you're, when you're, you know, looking at resource stocks in general and, and uranium, um, in particular, do I want to talk about a bunch of stocks? Um, I don't know. I, I, I can talk about the ones I own. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go down the list of all the explorers. Give them, them to Nick, give them to. I mean, energy fuels is a great company. Um, it was re really worth buying back in March when we, we bought it in the, in the Hodge family office, uh, weekly letter. Um, but it has its hands in lots of things, right? Not only does it have the the only mill um, in, in the Southwest, the White Mesa mill, it's it's not just uranium, right? It, it does have uranium assets, obviously. It can also process them, but it can process rare earths. Um, it can process vanadium, right? And all of these are those uh, obscure, critical um, energy minerals that are needed for whatever, flow batteries or magnets to make all these motors. And so energy fuels has its hand in in a lot of things and and is a real high quality company um i'll give you one that's not in the letter that i still own and it's you know a well-known one it's encore um mm. i know it's in your letter so so sorry yes. um, <laughs> no, I, own okay. the, I own those i own those shares as a result of well gosh it was three companies it was urz and then it was azarga and then azarga was taken out by energy fuels but um, they're rushing headlong into into new production here yeah, down in Texas. Are. They've got their their plants in order. They're shedding their non-core assets. They just sold one uh, this week or last week, I believe it was to to Anfield, I think it was. And so um, that chart has been has been perking up nicely and still nowhere near the highs it was when this um, uh, uranium sector was going fervently uh, a year or two ago. Uh, um, uh, I think I'd look at it in Canadian terms because that's the shares I hold. It's at like. A three fifty or something, but it was in the the two dollar range just a couple of weeks ago, and so um, 
you know, those are two I look like look at sort of in the, in the middle of the spectrum there, not quite the Cameco's, um, but, um, you know, have assets that are at or near production. Again, it's a free podcast. Y'all getting your money's worth. <laughs> you get my loud self, you get Nick's round self, and you get your questions answered. <laughs> Y'all keep coming with the comments. I absolutely love the comments. The good ones, the bad ones, the mean-spirited ones, the kind ones, all of them. They're, 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 they're fun, and uh, we appreciate the, uh, the engagement there. It's good stuff. And speaking of that, we did have another question, I think, right, Nick? There's like the one uh, or two notes that we wrote. The rest of this is all freestyled, by the way, everyone. What was that other question? Oh, yeah, question? there was one about, there was, well, there's two more. There's one about colored ties, and I can take that because um, that gentleman has has asked about colored ties a, a couple of times. And is, essentially, this is a company, and I don't know too, too much about it. I just took the time to uh, read the latest financial statement and management um, uh, discussion and analysis to just to answer this question. I mean, they own something like $24 million worth of um, Patriot Battery Metal shares, yet they trade at a... $13 million market cap. And so the question is essentially why, if they have $25 million worth of Patriot shares, Patriot battery metal shares, are they trading with a, a $13.5 million market cap? And this is a company that's a, essentially an investment company from what I was able to quickly discern. They have investments in lots of different um, early stage companies in wellness and med tech uh, and resources, obviously. Um, what I looked at, um, basically my quick takeaway was that a, a, a good portion of their other investments outside of Patriot are doing so well. And I think the market is taking that as a, a cue um, to not get, let them be fully valued for the Patriot battery metal shares that they do have, essentially questioning their overall investment prowess when it comes to, to other sectors and other positions that they have. Because the balance sheet looks good. Uh, the share structure looks relatively good. There are some uh, some outstanding warrants that represent like a, a potential 10% dilution. And they're also trading, those warrants are priced at 80 cents, which is not a surprise why the stock is stuck at 79 cents, right? Um, and so sort of those those couple of things, the other investments, the little warrant overhang uh, would be for me, uh, again, just with a quick read, why it's not getting you know the value commensurate to uh, those Patriot shares it holds. And at the same time, um, I think it was, it was you who said this when we were talking uh, before the thing, if you want to own Patriot battery metals, like stone Patriot battery metals, right? Yeah, bet on the horse and the jockey. Just keep. Sometimes you just have to keep it simple, folks. And you, you know, the smartest thing <laughs> that I've done with Patriot is just hold ninety percent of that position from sixteen cents, including the warrants that I exercised, right? And so that that's been the easiest move, despite all of the volatility, despite all of the you know fifty percent retracements, sixty percent retracements after it hits new all time highs. It did that for almost a year straight. You just look at the fundamentals of the company, you look at the peers, you look at the macro situation for lithium. And to me, I'd have to be a fool to be selling my Patriot shares if, if Patriot keeps performing um, the way that it has performed and it, it's done so month after month after month for me. As far as execution on the ground and, and corporate development wise, the share price is just going to be a reflection of that at the end of the day. And so, again, you know, I, I've seen comments about, oh, Gerardo thought it was going to be $50 by now. Well, according to peer comps, it should be $50 by now, which is why I'm holding 90% of my position. But, you know, for those that want to take their profits, you're you're not going to go broke taking, you know, whatever your percentage profit gain you've already had. Um, for me, I, I don't mind writing out the bulk of that 90% position until at least $50. And Nick, I have to tell you, I'm starting to think that 50 bucks might be conservative here over the next oh, 12 months. I am. 
I really, really am. Um, but I'll keep that to myself for now. Let's see where this maiden resource estimate comes out. Let's see when drilling resumes. Um, I hope for you know everyone's sake that these wildfires are, uh, you know, that they moderate and that they are under control here in the near term, not just for obviously the resource space, but just because it's a good human thing to want, right, Nick? Oh, sure. The fires are no good, and the the East Coast is freaking out for yeah um, the amount of smoke that we get here in Spokane routinely, but. Um, yeah, I hope it lifts soon. Uh, you mentioned the warrants you exercised in Patriot, and that's the, the last reader question we had, and it came from a different gentleman um, a couple of weeks back. I think it came after the we did an episode about private placements, and I thought we covered warrants, but he was asking, um, essentially, what is a warrant? I, I switched tabs. Let me get back to it. How do you define a warrant, and, and what are some of the benefits and drawbacks? You want to take it? Absolutely. Look, in, in very simple terms, I'll make it a quick, sweet, short answer. A warrant, when, when we participate in a financing, oftentimes we will pay, I'll give you an example, um, the Patriot Battery Metals example. We paid 16 cents for the initial financing when we got involved. That gave me one share at 16 cents and it gave me a warrant, the opportunity to buy another share at 25 cents for the next two years. Regardless of what the share price increased or decreased, I always had another option um, to buy a share at 25 cents. And so needless to say, you know, with the company here at the $16 level, at any point, exercising the warrant, you know, paying 25 cents for that right to buy that share um, it made absolute sense in converting that, you know, having the right to buy that share and converting that by paying the 25 cents um, was very, very, very profitable and continues to be and is a part of why, you know, I was able to get the position that I was able to get. And, um, that, that that in a very short version is 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 what a warrant is. It's used as an incentive for accredited investors that participate in these private financings, and it's used to attract you know the capital that the company is hoping to attract. So that in essence is what a warrant is: the right, but not you know it's not mandated, just the right to buy another share at a predetermined price for a set amount of time. And, you know, you get one like a Patriot, it can be very, very profitable. Those add up really, really quickly, folks. Yep. And like you say, you don't have to do it. So at the end of that two years or 18 months or whatever the term of the warrant is, if they're not in the money and you don't exercise them, they just, uh, they just expire worthless, right? They roll off um, and you no longer have the opportunity to do that or they're no longer in the, the share capital table of the company. And so... Um, the benefits uh, to you as an investor that it's a way to get additional exposure um, without having to uh, pay the current trading price of the stock if it goes up. Um, and there's really no drawback to you as an investor um, by by having the warrants. The drawback in some cases could be to the company, right? Where uh, just like I was talking about a second ago uh, with colored ties, where the there's a lot of uh, fully diluted shares out, right? There's a there's a lot of warrants out. They issued too many full warrants. Um, um, and so it creates a share overhang or creates a situation where if all of those um, warrants do get exercised, um, you know, it creates a, a higher share count, right? Dilution. Um, and then depending on where they're priced, it can create an overhang too, right? If, you know, uh, the price of stock sometimes rises to the the price of those warrants and, and sort of gets stuck there because it knows all those warrants are going to come in. Um, if the share price does cross that, um, or maybe people are selling right at that price to exercise warrants, for example. And so uh, those are the drawbacks, uh, but not really to the individual investor, more to the overall trading uh, and share structure of the the company. So hopefully that was helpful.
Yeah, hopefully that was. I encourage everyone to check us out at dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe to comment on my hair, my loudness, Nick's roundness, Nick's mustache, um, or anything you'd like to opine on in the series of tubes that we call the World Wide Web. Nick, anything to add to that? No, I don't think so. <clears throat> Fed meeting next week. Uh, the market will be watching closely. Uh, enjoy your summer, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Enjoy it, folks. Have a good one. Be kind to each other out there. You don't have to like each other. Stay away from each other. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.